Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening. And man, I am excited about this show. Uh, we have uh, featured Frying Pan Tower, Frying Pan Shoals, out off the coast of North Carolina several times during our hurricane coverage that you uh, most likely have tuned into from one time or another. And uh, I've been wanting to get uh, Richard on the show. And Shay worked his magic and was able to get Richard Neal on the show. Richard is an engineer and the director of Frying Pan um, Shoals Tower out in the Atlantic Ocean, where he currently is right now, and it's it's just hard to believe that technology has come so far along that we can actually talk to to Richard, who's out in the middle of the ocean right now. So, Richard, uh, welcome yes. to the show. We are happy to have you. And uh, you know, I just want to talk a little bit. Our first question uh, for you is more of a just kind of getting to know you question. And normally, it's a, how did you get hooked into the weather world? And so I know mm. weather plays a little bit of into what you do, but how did you get involved? In this project, I mean, this is uh, just such a fascinating story about you guys. Well, you know, I, like a lot of guys, um, after work, I still have my hands on the keyboard and I'm working on things and I'm surfing the web. And I, this was back in 08, 09. And I was like, well, there's got to be great things that are giving away because we're in a recession and everything's so discounted. And let's search for government surplus in North Carolina. And the first thing that popped up on screen was this... Uh, big old warehouse and I'm like, oh, no that's crazy you know swipe right or left or whichever it is next one was a whole bank building and then some fema trailers then some strange big metal box out on legs in the ocean and that was kind of the that was the fish hook that caught me so ended up getting it won so the auction. a little bit about you um you know assuming you was looking up stuff in north carolina are you originally from north carolina or uh, where, where, how no, did you, I, how did you get here? <laughs> well, I, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, uh, which is not exactly a land of, um, oceans or mountains. <laughs> and so I had a chance to come do a job interview over here back in the previous couple decades. And I was like, the trees are tall. The ocean's beautiful. <laughs> you know, so it hooked me. I moved into the Charlotte area where I've been since 99. I've got to ask you, I personally love Oklahoma. I go out as much as I can to, storm chase so did you have any uh, close encounters with tornadoes in your time out there you know in oklahoma uh it was pretty normal to just there's the tornado and it's only yay big and so you drive a little slower so it can stay ahead of you or you drive a little faster because it's behind you uh the one time riding in my dad's pickup truck uh, banged on the rooftop because back then we could ride in the back and um, we were following one about two miles ahead of us and I asked him to hurry up because there was another one behind us about three miles behind us. So we just stayed right between the two as we went home that day. Just a normal day. Did not uh, understand the magnitude of the difference between a tornado and hurricanes. Hurricanes are a whole different ball of wax, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are. We'll talk a little bit, little bit about that. Um, yeah. So engineering, I know uh, you got some engineering out there. Tell us a little bit about uh about that and uh, mm -hmm. what all engineering wise you do out there uh, right now at the tower. Well, you know, when I got the tower, uh, when we first came out here, we opened the doors and uh, all the windows were sealed up and there was thick junk all over the floor. It was incredibly filthy. And of course, nothing worked. Uh, there was no electricity. There was no <laughs> running water, um, you name it, obviously no internet. And uh, so the name of the game was basically, how do we reestablish? And so if you can think of walking into uh, a garage that people had walked out of two decades before, leaving most of the tools in there, almost like a put it together puzzle, figure it out and you can make it work, that sort of thing. 
that was what it was. So found that they were holding tanks of water, found that the wiring was redundant because in the classic uh, military Coast Guard sense, you never modified a circuit. You just added another one and added another one. So, oh my gosh. So it's really stretched my brain, everything from the structural to the mechanical, to the electronics, to you name it. Um, again, you don't just hire a plumber out here. You are the plumber. So Very interesting. And, and you know, the first question that pops into my mind here, Richard, is how do you get out there? Ah, good question. <laughs> After I bought it, it took me four months to get here because I couldn't get a captain willing to bring me out in a boat. He said, there's no ladder on it and you can't get up on it. And I said, well, I was actually a really good climber, so just get me close. <laughs> but I think what really made him laugh was um, when I showed up at the dock carrying an extension ladder with hooks on the top. <laughs> so climbed on it that way. And we do come out by boat when we're carrying things. But more commonly, we just fly out by a Robinson R44 and land on the helipad, which is our entire rooftop. So uh, it was here a couple times today, dropping off researchers. Very interesting. So no, no Jacob's ladder. I mean, you're, you're just strictly helicopter at this point. Helicopter and boat, because one of the legs does have a reestablishment of handholds. Um, you do have to be a little bit of a monkey to jump from a boat to a leg and then climb up freehand uh, 65 feet of handholds. So you're telling me if, you, if you're not a fan of heights, that might not be the best way to not go. Not a good up. idea. But, <laughs> you know, that's actually how we get to the first person on, usually one of the crew. And uh, then we snatch everybody, if you don't like heights, we snatch everybody out of the uh, front of a boat uh, with a hoist and just pull them straight up. And that's actually really, really safe because a person's sitting there with a harness or whatever, and until they get hooked in, they're perfectly safe. They're just sitting in a boat, right? Then we grab them, pull them right up, roll them inside, just tell them to stand up. That's all there is to it. And uh, haven't dropped anybody yet. It's probably a good good record, 10 years. So. so why was the tower built in the first place? I'm the old one out of probably all of us. And I remember when we didn't have cell phones and uh, we rolled this little circle on the phone to make it work. So back in the 1960s, there, there was still the frying pan shoals and the shoals were shallow and then deep. And then who knows, boats were going uh, ground and wrecking. So because we didn't have GPS and we didn't have Loran and you could use a sextant or whatever to look at the stars, but it was out here to be the lighthouse. So it's still got the light up in the corner that we don't use anymore because GPS, obviously, but uh, it was purely to keep people from running aground. There's literally hundreds of shipwrecks uh, from here to shore. We're about 32 miles from the closest point. Technically, we're outside of America by about six miles. And speaking of that, that closest point, for those who may not no. What, what is that closest point off reference mm. of uh, North Carolina? A lot of people would be aware of uh, Wilmington, and Wilmington has a bunch of smaller cities flanking it, uh, Southport and Carolina Beach, and coming out to the tip of it, of Bald Head Island. And that's from where the shoals actually continue on outward. So um, Bald Head Island, which is right over that way. We can see the light of a lighthouse on shore occasionally, just a little faint glimmer, but we don't see light of anything else because we're just too far away. Uh, sometimes people just like to go out in the ocean, you know, fishing and stuff. Do you ever, do people ever come by and just say, yell up and say hey to you and whatever? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I've got, uh, I guess people are like, hey, Richard, and my phone number's out there, so I'll get text messages, emails. I think I'm down to, uh, yeah, 5,000 or more emails in the last couple of weeks again. So it's a little tough. I'm, I'm amazed you guys could track me down. I'm glad you did. But um, 
they'll holler up, Richard, hey, this is so-and-so. And I was out there two years ago, five years ago, six years ago. Sometimes I remember who they are and sometimes I don't. But uh, on a good flat calm weekend, we can have 30 boats around here all getting bait fish or catching fish or just hanging out. Yeah, it's, it's really quite the uh, party. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I've done spearfishing at the Chesapeake Light Tower to the north up there. That's yep. a popular spot. And there's, uh, yep. you know, you, there's a lot of fish. There's a lot of great, you know, fish that hang around these these things. You know, it's, yep. a, it's an object in the water. It's, it goes in depth. There's there's teeming life around it. It's kind of neat. Yep, yep. We've got a lot of bugs underneath this. And bugs, uh, in layman's terms, are lobsters, spiny lobsters. Uh, they average about eight pounds here. So you kind of, you kind of took up my next question. It was going to be about the B&B and... Um, mm. You know how long that ran for? Um, yeah, we were we were doing that uh, from 2012 when we had our first family stay out here, uh, which was quite interesting. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we know it's sort of a B&B, right?" And then we shifted over in 2018 purely to the nonprofit, and um, we still have a lot of people come out, but it's not in the sense of coming out and hanging out. It's come out and participate. The walls in here are are nice and blue because we had three or four volunteers a couple of weeks back, clean and scrape and put it all back in order. How many, how many people do you normally average in a year, Richard, that come out and volunteer? I mean, Ooh, I know it can um, vary, but it's, you know, it's a really great question. Uh, we've had thousands out and, and that's because many, many people will come by in their boat and then they'll come on up and maybe they'll carry something out. I, I occasionally get a call on the Marine band radio. Uh, hey, Richard, we're here and we brought you that extra water or we brought you some food or we have too much beer and we can't get rid of it. We need your help. So, um, or we have fish that we've caught and I'm like, yeah, come on up, let's share it and have a meal and then we can head out the next morning. But um, with eight bedrooms um, and a crew room in addition and about 6,000 square feet and a rec room and a stainless steel kitchen and a big generator room where we can cut and torch and do all the types of mechanical things you would want to. Um, it's actually got a place for all different kinds of people. Um, you know, we've got people that came out and did nothing but work on our garden in the back corner. So <laughs> we've got a garden that grows. Go figure. And for those who are maybe wanting to know, you do a fantastic job on social media, uh, the Facebook page of just sharing your experiences from day in and day out and uh, it's a really cool thing. If you go to Facebook uh, and type in frying pan tower, uh, Richard, you do a great job on social media, just kind of showing the, the behind the scenes look there. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Um, people ask what the tower is really like and how it survived these hurricanes. And, and some of the things that I've learned is that the engineers that put it together had a fair amount of experience with uh, what they call Texas tower or Texas oil rigs, uh, the genre in the forties and the fifties. So they made this thing stupidly overbuilt. I mean, massively structurally strong. With the legs, I just got a blueprint that I hadn't seen in 10 years. And it actually indicates that when they set the base pilings down, they actually took pipes and then hydraulically rammed them through the legs down into the bedrock to the depth of, if you can imagine this, 296 feet. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. It's a football field of steel down into the bedrock and then filled up with cement. So, and, and the casing on the pipe that actually is water level down is multiple layers. So it's approximately three and a half inches thick. We just, you know, we have to worry more about anything above water and just keep welding on parts there. So um, yeah, I've gotten a chance to become a more proficient welder 
uh, since I don't have OSHA looking over my shoulder, it's like, yep, I'll do it. I'll do it right, but I don't have to get it inspected. So again, being outside the country does have some parts, right? Uh, next question is, it's kind of like just everyday life that we have here, the luxuries of plumbing and, and inter- or power, internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen all, you're watching the football game a couple of nights ago. Uh, you cook up these uh, really nice looking dinners. So how do you get all of that? 32 miles out in the, in the Atlantic Ocean. That's it. You know, uh, this is truly a working environment uh, along the lines of we don't just say, hey, stick a solar panel up there. It'll be great. You'll love it for 25 years. No, we actually know that they will hold on during a hurricane. We've had solar panels up for three or four hurricanes now. Um, we know the flags don't last quite as well, but that's another story. And with those solar panels, we still are on conventional um, solar batteries so we don't have lithium yet because we work off of a very tight donated budget obviously and then if we need to augment it like tonight when everyone's using all kinds of things i will run a small little 3k generator by honda or something like that but um the good news is is that uh, we did also resurrect life back into the 40 kilowatt detroit diesel that has been sitting here ever since the 1960s and when we took it apart and looked inside at the pistons, everything was put back in almost perfect order. And then they closed the doors and walked away. So all we had to do was get it up and running again. Now we need to get the electrical part out of it, which is the diodes and the rectifiers. And guess what? I'm getting to learn something else. But once I do that, then we'll reach out to our audience and say, be nice to have some resistance heaters bolted back on the wall. And then we'll run that and be warm while we're out here working. So 99% of the time, we're just solar and wind. So we have a couple turbines and we've got a couple dozen panels and a battery room full of batteries that we watch very closely and monitor. And everything that we do out here, we can also look at and monitor from shore. So, and that was a, 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 was a 5.2 gigahertz microwave dish that we set up, shot to shore 56 miles, talked to TV station into letting us put a dish up on there. Uh, tower at 1300 feet and um, you know it's one of those I can't believe they let us do this sort of stuff but (laughs) you know we get really smart people and then they're excited about it and then they tell other people and then we get a phone call and gentleman just got on a helicopter today that left that uh, made a donation and he spent a day or two out here I didn't make him work but he worked anyway couldn't stop him Jordan, I know you've got the, the big, fun question for us meteorological nerds. Yeah, so as, yeah, as, a, as the Carolina Weather Group, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit of meteorology while we're here. So what, um, what are some of the more memorable storms that have come by in recent times? I mean, I know mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Florence and Matthew are probably mm-hmm. the obvious ones, but maybe you have mm-hmm. one that's maybe not quite so obvious. Well, Arthur was an amazing thing. Um, I actually was out here with three of my kids and one volunteer, and we planned on flying back by helicopter on a Tuesday uh, with an upper limit of the wind speed of being around 45 miles an hour or so for the helicopter. Uh, I think it was a Belljet Ranger. And we woke up that next morning to a 55 miles an hour constant. So we weren't going anywhere. Surprise, surprise. Had not been out here for a hurricane. And my kids are like, are we going to be all right? (laughs) Of course we are. It's going to be great. So everything was great. Uh, The winds were averaging around 75. They've got up to 100 and something during that. And we're all in here and it's very noisy. 
my daughter points out the window uh, because there's a, a huge uh, mooring light that's about oh, two thirds of a mile that way. And it has a 12,000 pound dumbbell weight at the end of a huge chain. And it's the marker for the very end of the shoals. Well, the waves were so big, they were about 30 feet tall. They don't even look like waves, they just look like hills that it was picking it up and slogging it along. <laughs> and she says, dad, is, is the buoy supposed to be traveling? <laughs> so it marched off towards Wilmington. And then as the hurricane spun around, you know, we got to the backside of it and the winds were blowing from the other side. We just finished dinner and it blew in one of the back windows, just shattered it and wind is going everywhere. And the rain's pouring in and we're back there trying to hold a piece of metal against it and get it all put back together. And my daughter's a little upset about this. And I, I said, it's okay, we were, we were fine. She goes, I'm not worried about the tower, dad. It made my cake in the oven fall. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, you know, we've been out for, and I've since found that uh, hurricanes can be really pleasant to watch when there's nothing in the air to hit you but rain. When you're on shore, you have to worry about all kinds of things. You have to worry about trees falling on your houses and that sort of thing. Out here, it's just rain. You wear safety goggles so that the, it doesn't sting your face too bad. And anything under 100 miles an hour, it's not going to blow you off the top. Uh, over 120 miles an hour, it gets a little dicey. You know, we had some gust to that during a couple of them. And, um, and, it, and the water kind of comes in everywhere. So it gets a good rinsing, but that's all right. Does the tower sway at all? Do you get a little bit of that rocking yeah, factor? I'll show you. During the worst hurricane, this is it. That's it. Just enough to make the water wiggle around in the colligan jug. That's it. You know, puts you to sleep really good. And they are really loud. Uh, they are quite noisy. But, you know, you asked a question really that I should answer more directly is about the weather and how and what do we watch and how do we know when we can go out here. It's only 30 miles out, but the weather here is very different than the weather on shore. On shore, we can have 30 degree days and out here, because they have this enormous mass of water underneath us, we could be in, you know, t-shirt and shorts or like today, we had a 25 degree temperature drop out here and it was beautiful, it was 75 and then it went down to 55 for a while and I'm wearing a jacket because it's cool. So you just, you kind of have to be aware that the ocean is what they would call an ever-changing, never-changing environment. So it's always going to be a little different and you can only tell about three or four days in advance as to the true conditions in this one location. Um, being on top of a hill at the end of the shoals creates a venturi effect. So the water goes much faster underneath us than it would maybe just a half a mile away. It's quite an interesting place to try and go scuba diving, that's for sure. I would imagine the, the waves, you know, yeah. we see storm surge on the coast with, with landfall and hurricanes. And, yeah. you know, we see these models that are predicting 20, 30 foot waves out in the ocean, but the normal mm -hmm. everyday person doesn't get to see that, but, but you do. I mean, you were just talking about yeah. the experience with Arthur. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm sure the first time you saw it was like, oh my gosh, but have you kind of got used to the fact of seeing these huge waves now after being out there so long? You know, it's funny, the smaller waves, just the 12 footers or so, um, those actually impact harder than the big ones. We have these legs that are 42 inches in diameter. So relatively speaking, they're very narrow. But if you catch completely square to the cross pipes at the 12 foot level, a 12 foot wave, you know, you know the weight of water, it's quite a bit per cubic yard. You feel a 
no, 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 no. Just a shutter like that. That was a good one. That hit well. The huge waves, they look strange because they really do look like hills rolling past. And then occasionally one of them will break over like you would see on a, you know, on a small wave on the surf. But then you look across it and you realize that it's breaking over hundreds of feet wide and seven or eight feet the top of it's cresting over. And you're just thinking to yourself, if I had a jet ski, I bet I could ride that all the way to shore, but I, I don't know. From what you've told us, it sounds like there's not many things that would uh, cause such a, a concern that you'd have to evacuate. But I am curious uh, what, what your emergency procedures are like. What might what things might it take to get you to have to bug out of the tower? And, and if so, what's the process? That's a great, great one. Um, we have about four different forms of communication. We, of course, we have... And that's for knowing what's going on. Of course, we benefit other people out here by having that available for them, too. So we shoot our signal around here. So we kind of know what's going to happen weather-wise to some degree. Um, it's really about a decision of, do I need to get back to shore because there's people on shore I might need to help? Uh, so when Matthew came through, we left a day after it happened just simply so we could get back to shore and help reestablish power for several houses that were out for elderly people. But... You know, it's funny. I, I guess it's kind of the reverse. Um, we got plenty of food, plenty of water. If you have a string and a hook, you can't starve. Um, it's really more a matter of we stay away from things like COVID virus and monitor the people that come out, that sort of thing out here. Um, people have said that this is probably the best place to survive a uh, you know, end of times or in a zombie apocalypse. I don't, I don't know. Um, as long as we have our connection to shore with the marine band radio with the internet that we have here um, with emergency locator beacons, things like that. Um, probably could sit out here and, and ignore the world for about a year if you had to. Nice. Not that I want to. <laughs> I got family on shore. Speaking of that and COVID, um, I know one big thing is, is folks coming out there and and helping you, what, what was there downtime? I'm assuming there was downtime where we didn't have folks out on the tower. Yeah. Uh, what was what was it like when the world was going crazy and you're already out on this island? I, I'm sure for you personally, it wasn't much of a change, but you know, what well, was it like? A few years ago, um, I had finished a job of 11 years and I needed a break. So I came out here and, and was just here for six months straight, went to shore one time. And I noticed that you don't know what day of the week it is anymore. You don't really know what month it is after a period of time. And you start just living, oh, I'm in this season. <laughs> oh, gee, I'm getting into fall now. Okay. But during the time that uh, everyone was really locking down on COVID, um, I was here for a few weeks by myself and isolating. And it was, it was odd because, you know, I turn on the TV. I get it over the air. I get it over the net. I can see everything that's going on. So... You know, you, you do always have the ability to communicate, same as we all do while we're still locked down. But I think it just made me really appreciate the fact that uh, out here, I have a mask, so I've got one in my pocket right now. And anybody that comes out here is going through a questionnaire. Have you been around anyone? Do you, do you have the temperature taking? Uh, all that good stuff. Um, they could still be carrying it, but we're trying our best to be just safe about it. Right. Well, speaking of that, we, we talked about the weather aspect. Um, one thing I also want to mention is uh, 
I was looking through uh, some of the fate, uh, Twitter mentions for Frying Pan Tower. Uh, water spouts also, I'm sure, sure you get to see your fair share oh, yeah. of water spouts out there. Oh, that's uh, amazing, yeah. But uh, any other memorable moments? I know you are talking about the meteors a little bit earlier. I mean, uh, you are out in the middle of nowhere, dark skies, so I'm sure you can see all the meteor showers and yeah. uh, International Space Station uh, travel yeah. across. The, I mean, what's a, any other memorable moments out there? Any sunsets, yeah. sunrises? We did a, a, a time lapse of what was it, the Neowise comet that was off, and we could see it pretty clearly. And what we didn't realize in our time lapse was that the ISS, International Space Station, came cruising right past. So it's all on the time lapse with there's the comet, there goes the space station, and there's the meteor. It's just you don't know what you don't know if, if you're not in a dark enough area to see it. Um, on the same type of thing, you might look down at the water. And I didn't know this, but there's a, a shrimp variety that when they snap their tail, they make a blue flash. And I'd never heard about that, but I was looking down in the water one evening and all these little blue dots of light of all these shrimp just pop, 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 pop. And it was like, incredible. How would you have known? So, you know, the wildlife uh, that you don't see when you just look across the ocean is all abundant underneath there. And it, it's just increased my desire to help educate people. So we have the above camera, the water level camera, and then the shark camera down on the very bottom that we do for explore.org. And that's in classrooms all around the world with kids watching it, which is kind of fun. So hopefully they'll learn about the ocean and you know, keep the straws out of the turtles' noses and understand the power that is in our oceans. I mean, the weather is by virtue of this enormous body of water that gets heated up and moves around. I mean, the things that our world does, um, it, I just think there's so much for us still to learn. And, and I, I really applaud what you guys are doing on sharing and discussing what's going on with the weather. Cause you know, it's not a matter of, do I have on a, a jacket so I can go from my apartment to the car? It's what's happening in the world and why are there you know, storms and, and fires in different places. And that's all about weather and, and what's happening, right? Yes, that, that's true. The one thing I'd like to learn, those spiny lobsters, how do they compare to Maine lobster? What do they really taste like? Oh, I, I had thought they would be, because they're so large, that they would be tough, right? Nah. Uh, they have no claws, but they can have very long legs, almost like, uh, what is it, a snow crab, those giant ones. And their tails are usually about that big around, about that long. And they're deliciously fresh and soft. Um, we have divers that come out here and they'll grab them. We have a lot of rock ledges. So if you grab the one or two out of there, um, next day another one will move in because they're always looking. So they're migrating at night, running around. And they brought up four enormous ones. We filled up a, a stainless steel bowl that was about this big, full of lobster meat. We all ate, there was six of us, and we ate so much lobster, we couldn't stand it anymore. So the next day when we wanted to go fishing, we're fishing with lobster meat, which <laughs> is just ridiculous. So it's, it's really, really good. For those folks who uh, are listening tonight and, and they may feel like, you know, this is a, a, a worthy cause that I want to give to, uh, I know looking at your website, I mean, you've got a, a shop with apparel that you can do. You have a, a list on Amazon that that folks can purchase and, and send to you uh, all sorts of yeah. way to, to help out the cause. So um, tell us about that. And I even see a signature coffee blend. So tell us about all the different ways that, that we can help uh, help you guys out there um, you know, doing the research you're doing. <laughs> it's really funny. 
a few times I would have a conversation and talk, you know, people that would be watching about, you know, having this cup of coffee or that cup of coffee. And I finally came across one. And mind you, if you're stuck out here, I'm not going to go and grab a Starbucks or a Pete's or a Dunkin' Donuts. And so I found a blend that was incredible. And the company that makes it, uh, Black Powder, said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll make you that particular variety and we'll give you a percentage of the proceeds for the nonprofit. I thought, oh, win-win. And then they gave me free samples. So I'm going to drink that coffee because it's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, the whole goal is it's not just a YouTube clip that makes you a few pennies uh, you know, or an Instagram or whatever, or a few shirts that you make a dollar or two off of. It's whether or not we can get enough people to pay attention to this, to restore this. And, and that really is my goal, is how do we restore something? So it's restore, obviously, protect, which is not only the sea life down there, but also the mariners around here. We've been really lucky. We've actually helped save three different divers' lives out here and uh, over the last few years. And then preserve. Now, how do we get it so it's self-maintaining? And I think the only way to do that is... is basically like what we're doing right now sharing the message uh educating people and helping them understand that it's not me you know again i joke it's like i'm the chief custodian and, and janitor um but i'm also the one that really wants to get the world to understand that this is a rare thing that was done back a long time ago and we typically don't do things like this anymore we don't build big steel structures because we simply don't need to and uh it's really worthwhile to save it that's all we're trying to do. Interesting that you say that. I was looking, you know, you're uh, on the wish list. You have like an AED and I, I never would have put that together with, you know, folks who may be out there and, you know, 30 some miles off the coast and they need immediate medical attention. That's, that's a, a great thing. We had a heart attack when you had to, you know, get him out of here. We had the heli uh, helicopter flew out here and grabbed him. So a big Coast Guard helicopter snatched him off. And he was okay. Next day, he was fine. Wow. Amazing story. Mm -hmm. well, Richard, um, you know, I personally want to thank you for what you're doing. And uh, you were talking about, Dan, about uh, getting some storm chasers out there. We may have to love it. May have to pitch in on a helicopter ride and come out and uh, at least have a meal with you or something. I'd love to get you guys out for a weekend. And uh, you know what? If you give us enough notice, we'll find a volunteer with a boat and just have you guys come out on that. How's that? Hey, I, I'm, I am down for that. <laughs> we are we are we are up for that. And uh, again, Richard, how how can we follow you? I, I told about your uh, the Facebook page, but do you have yes. uh, Twitter or anything else that they can uh, follow oh, yeah. the work you're doing? Um, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we're either Frying Pan Tower, uh, I forget what it is, original or something. So we have an Instagram. It's easy to find us. You search for Frying Pan Tower, clearly. Uh, there is a, also a, a, in the middle of the woods, a Frying Pan light tower. Not a light tower, but a tree tower for observing for other things. You'll know it when it's us because we have water around us. So we have Twitter. We have YouTube. We have Instagram. Uh, we have Facebook. And um, I don't know what else. Well, you're, you're talking about and, the... And our, and our website. Yeah. At the explore.com, which... Um, we're, uh, we got permission to air some of the footage uh, during hurricanes. Oh, good. Explore.org. They're good Yeah, explore.org. Yes. Yeah. yeah. doing good so, things. Uh, definitely yeah, check so, that out. That's awesome. Yeah. Good deal. Well, Richard, we thank you uh, for your time. And uh, for those who are watching here on the Carolina Weather Group, we hope you have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next time here on the show.